welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the Lakers. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. We're going to talk about Tuesdays, as in today. We're recording this on Monday afternoon, but you guys are all listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. And tonight, we say tonight because it's Tuesday, um, we've got the play-in games. And to talk about that, joining us from New York, where he will be at the Nets-Cavs 7-8 play-in game, is Nick Friedel. Hello, Nick. B, it's great to be with you always. Thank you. Glad to see you. Glad to see you doing well in New York. Uh, and joining us from New Orleans, where he will be at uh, Wednesday's uh, play-in game, the f- uh, first round, I guess, of the play-in. Um, I don't even know how you describe how you describe it, Andrew Lopez. It, in is, New the, it is the 9-10 game. It is the 9-10 game. I think that's what the they call it. Preliminary uh, yeah. elimination. <laughs> I guess it's an elimination game. So It is. Um, with the Pelicans and Spurs. Um, so, Nick, uh, I've been assigned by our wonderful bosses at ESPN to write about the Nets at the conclusion of the season. And I think of their season. <laughs> and I think they really would like to have the story like sitting in front of them right now so they can edit it and have it nice and ready to go um, for when the season ends. But I have said to them, I can't write it right now because even though we've seen a lot happen in this next season, it's, and they could lose these next two games. I don't think they will, but they could, or they could get knocked out early in the playoffs, which would be a disappointment. Um, They still through all of this, through everything that's happened, through the the hardened drama and the injuries and COVID and vaccine issues and mandates and no defense, they still have all of their goals in front of them and still have two superstar players and still could make this season a success. So I ask you, as we sit here on play-in day, what what do you think is going to happen with this team? This is the most turbulent three months I've ever seen for one team, especially one that has the star power that this group does. I still believe the Nets can do what they want to do, and there's a path towards them getting through the East, guys. As we sit here on play-in day, to me, the only team that I would be certain of, and I'm not even that certain because I watched those games in the regular season, but the only team I would pick to beat the Nets is Milwaukee. Every other team, even if they line up and play Boston in the first round, I would probably lean towards the Nets beating them in a seven-game series. Why? Given all the issues they've had and the defensive flaws that we all see. Kevin Durant. It's really that simple. He is that good. They get a confidence booster that is gigantic every time he's out there and playing the way he has since he came back off that MCL injury. And he has the ability to make them believe that they can still do everything they want to do. And and that's without even adding Kyrie and they're going to get Seth Curry back in this game. And they feel like they can hit another level in the postseason. But the reason that I am not completely riding off the nets yet is because Kevin Durant is that dominant when he wants to be. They did get some good news this afternoon that um, Dragic, uh, uh, Goran Dragic has cleared health and safety protocols. As a real quick aside here, just let me give me a second. I think that I'm a little bit concerned that COVID is going to play a role in the first round of the NBA uh, playoffs. Um, Cases are up for the first time in weeks, if not months. Cases over the weekend ticked upwards on the on the. I I look at the New York Times tracker. Um, It's particularly gone up on the East coast in and around New York city. And um, we also saw Bam Adebayo go into health and safety protocols over the weekend for the heat. So I am 
concerned, obviously, about players' health, but I am concerned that we are going to have series impacted by players testing positive. Um, one of the things we should watch, is, you know, so a year ago in the playoffs, the, the teams were getting tested every day. The teams are not getting tested right now, but um, players can still get sick and then go into testing when they're symptomatic. And also, if you go into Toronto, you have to test to get back into the U.S. if you go by air. And so um, in the case of, wasn't it Nash, um, yeah. uh, Nick? Nash tested positive on his way out of Toronto. Uh, was that two months, six, eight weeks ago? Um, had no symptoms, probably would never have gotten uh, tested, uh, had no symptoms, and he was sidelined. So as a, an aside, they will get Dragic back for the play-in but I, I'm just going to say that, and I'm not pretending to be a scientist, but I do believe it's the Omicron subvariant that is going to cause a wave. It caused a wave. In, it was a short wave in Europe, but it caused about a three-week spike in cases in Europe. And we are seeing numbers uptick. In fact, the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, uh, tested positive over the weekend, and which is another reason why his comments about dropping the vaccine mandate because the numbers were in a better place was laughable because the numbers aren't in a better place. Um, he really, he just got lobbied by, by the, you know, basically by the, the Mets and the, and the Yankees and Kyrie benefited, but that's another topic for another day. Uh, so they do get Dragic back, Nick um, in the short term here, they have the Cavs. They beat the Cavs last Friday at home in a game that got them this the seventh seed. The reason the game on Tuesday is in Brooklyn is because they won that game. The Cavs and the Nets actually tied uh, at 44 and 38, but they won the tiebreaker and got even um, in the standings with that win. Um, it doesn't look like Jared Allen is going to play, but how do you feel like that matchup looks? I think it sets up very well for the Nets be in the case of Kyrie. Because as he said, he's enjoying the pressure that comes with this type of moment. Kyrie, as we know, hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history. He's played in the biggest of games. But I think he is enjoying the fact that all these people are kind of counting out the nets already and saying, ah, they can't do it. They've had too many distractions. And he feels like he wants to go prove that I'm going to go dominate and pull us into the playoffs the only reason I hesitate on top of what we've seen in the last few months is the Nets don't do well sometimes against teams that play hard all the time. And that Cavs team is tough. They don't have the <laughs> Which, talent. You're implying that they don't play hard all the time, the Nets? Is that what you're implying? <laughs> I don't think you're out of line. <laughs> that, that's because they don't. <laughs> that's because they don't. They get up to these 20-point leads, and then they just kind of go, ah, we're good. And then Kevin or Kyrie will hit a few shots in the fourth, and they'll make it. But the Nets just have more talent, especially superstar talent. And in these type of games, I think that always comes through. So they just played them. And like you said, without Allen, I just don't see the Cavs having enough firepower against healthy Kevin and Kyrie. Andrew, do you feel like uh, – so Nick says that if the Nets win on Tuesday and they end up getting the Celtics in the 7-2 matchup, he feels like he might – pick the Nets in that. Uh, do, would you feel confident enough to, to pick the Nets against a team that's been one of the best teams in the league for the last three months? I, think, I don't know. I don't know if I'm as confident as Nick is. I do like the way that Boston has played. I do like um, – I would feel better if Robert Williams were playing in, in that series, uh, picking Boston. But it, it, I do think that when, you, when it comes down to just – if I'm looking at – like the star power matchup. If I'm looking at KD and Kyrie against Jalen and Jason, I, I think I lean Brooklyn a little bit there, but I, I think for that one, I would, I would feel better about Boston if Rob was playing and just because of the difference that, that he made um, in, in the season. And I think it, it, it is hard for me to kind of go against this Nets team. And I mean, a, a team who, I mean, could still get another piece back, right? I mean, at, at, at some point in, in this Yeah, playoffs. we'll talk about that in a second. So um, I, I still think that I would uh, – I, I am kind of with Nick there. There, I, The only team I would feel like 
just slam dunk, I'm definitely picking the other team is, is probably Milwaukee. So um, it was interesting that over the weekend, um, really on, on Sunday, when it came right down to it, um, Milwaukee and Boston both had choices, Nick. Um, Milwaukee elected to shut all their players down against Cleveland in a must-win game for Cleveland. And they ended up getting blown out. They were down. They gave up, they gave up 80 points in the first half to the Cavs. And Boston didn't. Now, it might have been hard for Boston to lose the game anyway because they were playing the Grizzlies uh, who were shutting down everybody. The Grizzlies might have just out-tanked them. You know, the Grizzlies were resting players. They weren't really tanking. But Boston decided to play their guys. Boston, I think, basically said, we are not going to define our, you know, who we are as a team by trying to avoid a team in the first round. And, you know, we think we value potential home court in the second round, which would be the two seed. Because, by the way, Boston, uh, Milwaukee, and Philly all tied with the same record, all had 51 wins. And the tiebreak situation got complicated. I think in the Milwaukee-Boston, it came down to like the fourth tiebreaker. But it was known going in. It wasn't like it came down to Sunday. They knew if they tied, the Boston would get the two. Everybody understood that. Um, So, Nick, Boston goes ahead and says, we're fine with playing the Nets. And I think they're fine with playing the Nets uh, because even though Durant and Kyrie are there, they look and see a team that ranked 20th defensively. They look at a team that is either too young or too old at a lot of positions where they're, they're young guys they don't trust or old guys who are past their prime. They look at the number 20 ranking on defense. They look at that they, that they don't hang on to leads, that they don't always play for 48 minutes. Um, let's say the Celtics had called you uh, and said, Nick, give us your opinion of whether or not we should tank on Sunday or not. You obviously would have recommended them to tank because you think that the Nets can win that series. I mean, do you, what did you think about the Celtics choice? I understood where they were coming from. It was very Thibodeauian, very Miami heat. Like <laughs> we're just gonna, we're just gonna play everybody. <laughs> we don't care. Although it did crack me up that even, even Eric Spolster was resting the whole world down there in Orlando in that final regular season game. But if I were the Celtics and, and they called me up, I would have said, stay away from the stars. And in my experience covering the league, when you get into the postseason, that's when your stars step up and deliver. And I would not want any part of playing a Kevin Durant-led team with Kyrie knowing that those two guys, and I think this part is crucial, are really motivated going into this particular playoff run because they've been listening to everyone for the last few months say, ah, this Nets team, they're done. Kyrie's decision has completely thrown off the rhythm of the group. Harden is gone. Nobody knows when Simmons is going to return exactly. There's too much uncertainty. Count me in the group, B, that believes that the Nets defense that was really bad the last six, seven weeks or so can lock itself in and play a little bit better. Because that's all we're talking about here. If if KD scoring 35 and Kyrie is backing up with 30 of his own, you play solid defense, you're going to give yourself a chance to win every single one of those games. We'll see what Dragic looks like. Seth Curry, his ankle's been bothering him, but I think he can help. And the player, there's two that I would uh, really focus on here. Andre Drummond has been really good since that deal went down. And I'd, I'd share the second slot. I'd share it with Bruce Brown (laughs) and Nick Claxton. And those two guys have shown that they can play big minutes and can give that team a lift. So all that being said, I'm not betting against Kevin Durant. And in a series against the Celtics, and Andrew mentioned it, when you have Tatum and Brown, they are very good. They're not Kevin Durant. And that defense is not the same with that Williams in there. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, 
eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts. 122 million. For your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Supercuts. Let's face it. Life is busy. Between work and family and more work, our to-do lists have a way of getting longer instead of shorter. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make at least the haircut part of your life easy. Supercuts is perfect for people who need a haircut but don't have a ton of time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in or just walk in. Another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times so you know exactly what you're in for. That way, you're only in salon when you need to be. and Don't expect to stay a while. As for the cut itself, it's always super solid. Thanks to Supercut's highly trained stylists. Get in, get out, and get to that thing that you needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up or a wedding, or you just need some upkeep, Supercut's makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercuts. Check in now on the Supercuts app or on supercuts.com. Let's say a word about the Cavs here because they are in this game and they will have a, a shot at pulling off right. what I think would be an upset. Um, so they, when Jared Allen broke his finger uh, like seven weeks ago, they were really hopeful he would be back before the end of the regular season. They, they were targeting last week. And his hand just didn't get there. And um, the Cavs did all of that work. And basically they were a game short of hosting this game and a couple of games short of being in six. And, and um, when they have all of their team together, which means Allen and um, Evan Mobley, who missed uh, I think 10 games or was it 10 games or so with a, if it was that many games, but he missed a couple of weeks with an with with his ankle injury. And that, just submarine them. They rely very, very heavily on Darius Garland. Um, and this is one thing I'm worried about both in this game for, for them. And uh, if they were to, if they, if they do advance into the playoffs, whether it's against the heat or the Celtics, um, I just think they're going to, I think Garland is going to get worn to the bone with, with what they ask him to do offensively. I mean, um, he's actually, when they play him off the ball, when they run offense, and he doesn't have to bring the ball up the court and they can, you know, free him with a screen. Like their offense gets much more potent. They just don't have anybody to really do it. I mean, uh, Karis Levert, after he was traded, that trade has not really worked out for the Cavs. First off, Levert got hurt, hurt his foot, missed it some time. His shooting percentages have dropped. His scoring has dropped since he was in Indiana. And if you look at his, the various uh, analytics whether it's uh, box plus minus or um, uh, VORP or whatever you want to call, what, you know, I'll just summarize it by saying to you that he has basically become a replacement level player since getting traded to the Cavs for a first and a second. Although the Cavs would not have to give the first this year if they lose two games this week, they would get their lottery pick. And even though I think it would be really important for the Cavs young kids to, to go through an experience um, a, you know, a best of seven series in addition to winning one of these next two games and, um, and being able to claim a real victory and getting into the playoffs, that would be terrific for them. I also would say that if they were able to get a lottery pick and could draft a wing, uh, that would be huge too. So I think <laughs> the Cavs kind of either way here might end up okay. Um, but uh, they're going to go into this game on Tuesday really relying heavily on Lamar Stevens and Jetty Osman um, to Markinen was rough. One uh, But, you know, they're, they're going to go in needing Levert, needing somebody to try to put in front of Durant. And the Celtics are much better equipped to make it harder on Durant. And so that's going to be, um, it's going to be an issue uh, for sure. I mean, Durant, might be able to put up 45 in this game, but he might need to put up 45, Nick. Um, so before we move on, I want to talk about, about Ben Simmons. 
So over the weekend, Woj reported that there's a possibility there's some, I don't remember what the verb he used. You remember, Nick, like rising optimism, optimism, hope that he could play in the first round. Um, The Nets have put out some videos of him and he's clearly doing more in workouts. But according to Steve Nash and Nick, we know that Steve Nash, frankly, to the media just doesn't always tell the truth. I, I, I'm avoiding using the L word, but he is basically lied repeatedly to the media. So I don't know if we can take what he says true, but he's saying that he's not even running with his full weight yet. He's been in the, um, the, uh, the Alter G machine, the zero gravity treadmill. And so for a guy hasn't played in 12 months, cut with a back injury, who's not fully running and doing no contact. Uh, I realize the first round is a long time. It takes like two and a half weeks and the first round doesn't even start till this weekend. So he, he potentially could get two weeks between the, is it, Really possible that Ben Simmons would play in the first round of the playoffs? It would stun me. It would truly stun me. Andrew and I were just in Miami like a week and a half ago, and we're watching Simmons walk around, and we looked at each other and we're like, this guy's not going to play? <laughs> i sure he had on Air Force Ones. Like, he did not have on basketball shoes during both shoot-around and the practice that we went to. Andrew, how many days were the Heat in? Uh, um, how many days were the Nets in Miami that week? Was it through they had three days there? Three, two off yeah. days, two off days, and that Saturday game day. And they flew in from Memphis, so I think they had like four nights, maybe. Yes, if they, yeah, they got in that night, right, Nick? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And you showed up the next day in your tuxedo, and they. Uh, oh yeah! <laughs> they, what a what a time! Stayed. We got to throw that story in quick, B. <laughs> I was not supposed to be in Miami at all. But Kyrie, after the mandate had been pulled back by Eric Adams, tells everybody, I can't wait to talk to you all. This is Wednesday night in Memphis. I can't wait to talk to everybody about this whole thing. I'll see you in Miami. And we get to practice on Friday in Miami. Are you, are you, are you making public in this moment why you were not going to be in Miami? I, w- I was going to a wedding. Okay. I was going to a, a wedding in South okay. Carolina, and I had only brought – my blazer for the Memphis game and a tuxedo. <laughs> so, Do you yeah. wait a minute? Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Do you own a tuxedo? I have a tuxedo. I am floored. I've been Andrew, in, <laughs> I've been in 25 <laughs> weddings. I am floored that this man owns a tuxedo, Andrew. That well, is a what lot. should floor you the most is that it actually still fits. <laughs> okay. After, no, all right. after all these years, it's been rough. All right. Now that we have that, go on. But <laughs> the point in all of this isn't just that I flew to Miami to talk to Kyrie, who then didn't talk, and I'm wearing a tuxedo jacket in all the live shots for SportsCenter. So you the wore point. a tuxedo to the game. I, I wore a tuxedo just jacket. The, just the jacket. Just Which made it even to, better to practice <laughs> in the Heat facility, and then to the beginning of that Heat Knicks game a couple Fridays ago. I guess technically and, to dinner too, which was also funny. Yeah, the Hard Rock over by the jeans, arena. jeans and a tuxedo jeans jacket, and a tuxedo just walking around. Jacket. It yeah. was quite a look. But if ever there was a city to kind of throw that look in there, where nobody even batted an eye, it's Miami. And, th- and that whole scene. But the point in all this is that Andrew and I, a week and a half ago, are at practice, and we're looking at each other going, no way. No. Well, fast forward a little bit. And Simmons, on Sunday, it was the first time he had ever taken shots before a game where we were in there. Maybe he had at some point. But up to that point, all we had ever seen was Simmons out there passing the ball to Patty Mills. It was in Philly and one other spot. And so Simmons is out there for maybe five, 10 minutes taking some shots. And I asked Nash, has he done any running, any conditioning? No. Uh, but B, this is where we point out again, Steve Nash for a high-profile coach, as much as I, I like him personally, I think That's he's not a in nice question. guy. He, he he's is a the Hall worst of Famer. I've ever seen. Right. He is a Hall of Famer, high character, wonderful 
sportsman and high character man. Having said that, having said that, he is the worst I've ever seen as a high profile coach at forming the narrative for his team. And you would think a guy who played at that level is a hall of famer and has been in the media eye for so long would be very adept at weaving his way through all these questions and what's going on. He's not. And it, it has made for some awkward situations, especially when he said James Harden's not going to get traded. And then a few days later, that's exactly what happened. But, but he, then you guys backed it up. So just so you were clear, Steve, Steve, you know, James is not getting traded, right? No, that's right. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yes, boom. that's correct. All of this is with Simmons. Simmons, the only thing that we have seen him do up to this point when we take this podcast publicly is walk in the Nets facility and get some stretching in and work with some resistance bands. Maybe he is doing a whole hell of a lot more when the cameras disappear. But I will tell you this, guys, and I think it's crucial. Anytime we ask any of Simmons' teammates, hey, how does Ben look? What's he doing? They're like, we don't see him. He does all his own individual stuff. We're hopeful that he plays at some point. But he's not around the group. And that's why, as far as the timing goes, it would stun me if he is able to come back right now because he hasn't played in a year. And, and almost as importantly, he has not done anything. And here's the thing. If the Nets were off February. this week, like the Heat are off until Sunday, right? If the Nets had this week off waiting for their opponent, or even if they knew their opponent, they were waiting for the week. Maybe there could be like a little mini training camp where Simmons could get like five on five runs. That's not going to happen. It's not going to so, happen. So I don't know. I, um, I mean, I respect that it's that they're not ruling it out. I don't know if that strategy, I just, I can't see it. Although I'll tell you this, if he could play 10 minutes a game and just defend for a little bit, like considering the nets have a, on average 10 to 15 minutes where they completely don't lift a finger defensively. If he could play 10 minutes, I think it would make a big difference. Even literally, even if he doesn't shoot the ball, don't shoot, forget about shooting. And this is what Nas said. This is, this is important too. He said, I will put him into a game. If he's physically able to play, even if it's a playoff game, even if that's the first time we see him all year, that will happen. But after all that he's been through, and this goes more into the, the mental issues that are, are going to be discussed, I, I am just really intrigued at the possibility that, let's say, if it's game seven in Boston, two and a half, three weeks from now, and the Nets have won the play-in, and they're in this series with the Celtics, and they could use one more push from somebody, and it's Ben Simmons, and he's been checked off and cleared by all these doctors. Wow to put him into that spot having not played in a year and to think that he's going to provide much of anything with no rhythm on a team he's never played for before. And you think he's ever even put on a Nets game jersey? He did that first day. In fact, that was the weirdest thing that oh, happened. They, pro they probably had their the team practice pictures. too. Yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> the day I got up to that facility – it was Simmons' first day, and he's in full uniform, and he's getting his thumbprint and his eye scan or whatever to get into the facility. But it was such an odd scene. He's like, what is this dude doing in full uniform? But he was taking all the pictures and getting right. all the, the promotion right. stuff out of the way. And the hope at that point, in that moment in time, was, hey, he's feeling good. He's in good spirits, which we've heard about 100 times. He's going to play. <laughs> right, right. And it hadn't happened. All right. Well, not in none of the videos that they have shown of Ben so far, and it's only Monday, so I haven't actually seen him sweating in any of the videos. So um, I don't before think I've we seen him sweating since that deal went down, right? <laughs> like it's so, so um, before we move on to the similar situation with the uh, Lopez in New Orleans, hmm. let's say that the Nets lose to the Cavs on Tuesday. Who would they rather not see in the in the you know elimination game? Would it be the Hornets or the Hawks? The Hawks. They don't want Trey Young. And that, Me and either. I'm I'm saying that uh, having watched Charlotte come into Barclays that first night, Kyrie was able to play again at home 
and Charlotte beat them. But I think part of that was <laughs> they'd been in Miami for three Aren't days. Aren't they undefeated against the Hawks this year, though? No, the Hawks just beat them in Atlanta the other okay. night. Okay, okay. So, so I think they're and, two and one against them. Two and and Trey Young went off in that game and got everybody right. else set up. So you That's just right. you, you want to avoid Trey Young. The Hornets don't have that type of player uh, as good as Lamelo is now, and maybe down the line he's not where Trey Young is at. So I don't think there's any well. And also the Hornets announced over the weekend that Gordon Hayward isn't going to play for the foreseeable future. Cause he's got a foot injury and you know, that's another oh, topic that contract. Oh, that, the day that deal went down. No, no, don't do it. They did what? No, no. He gets hurt all the time. No, no, don't do it. Yeah. They did well, it. the real question for Charlotte and a real quick discussion about the Hornets. And I mean, real quick, they've never, there's two teams that have never paid the tax ever in their history of the tax, which is now 20, like three years. Do you know who, which teams they are? Andrew Lopez. Would never yeah, pay the tax. I know one of them uh, is the New Orleans Pelicans. That's right. The other one is the Charlotte Hornets. And so they've got a bunch of money. They've extended Rozier. They got a bunch of money in Gordon Hayward, uh, although that contract isn't forever. Um, and uh, they got Miles Bridges, who's extension eligible this offseason. And I think we'll get He's a max get, offer. He is going and to get paid. They're going to have to pay Lamelo, who is going to get a max. Now Lamelo's only a second year. They do have a window in there, but you do wonder, especially as you think about that they still aren't, don't have a complete team, whether or not Michael Jordan is going to pay all these guys, especially if they've you know just got to play in team right now. So, um, but I'll tell you, the Hornets are one of the most entertaining teams to watch. They're almost never on national television. They will be on national television on Wednesday, and. Um, if you don't know the Hornets, um, you should make a point to see the early game because I will almost guarantee you that LaMelo and Bridges will do something that you remember. Um, and they play super high tempo. Um, they they're are so they much are, fun. They're just so yeah, much fun. They're, they're a very fun team. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to get two wins this week, but they will get a little bit of, of uh, shine. Okay, so let's talk about the Pelicans who are one of the most fascinating teams in the NBA this year, Lopez, that you have chronicled. You've talked, you know, Friedel just talked about how wild um, his time with the Nets are, uh, has been. This has been a wild season for you with the Pelicans. Yes. Yes, it has. We start on media day with our friend, Mr. Mr. Williamson uh, being declared out for some period of time with the right foot fracture that, you know, there was hopes that he would be back by opening night. Um, we just finished game 82, and he has not yet played um, because of some, you know, several setbacks that he has suffered. On the court, I mean, this team, it feels like at the start of the year, they were waiting on him, and they were just trying to tread water until he got back. 1-12 start, 3-16 and 16 start, and it just never – it became clear eventually, you know, hey, we need to not do this where we're, we're waiting on him. We need to just kind of go ahead and, and play our game, right? And once they started doing that and Willie Green made a, made a couple of changes, things started to pick up. And then when they, when they went and got C.J. McCollum at the trade deadline, which kind of speaks to the play-in tournament as a whole, right? Like if, they were, if this was a regular year where, we, where there's no play-in tournament, I think they were six games back of the eight spot at, at the deadline or at the time they made that deal. Do they go make that deal for this year? I know that it's somebody they had had their eye on, right? But they go make the deal for McCollum. They struggle in those first five games with him. They go one and four before the break as Willie's trying to figure out different rotations. And then they get it together after the all-star break. In games that CJ and Brandon Ingram have played together, they are eight and two. Um, which is good and bad. It's good because, hey, that's an 800 winning percentage with your two best players right now. It's bad because it's only 10 games out of 23 or whatever it should be because Ingram has dealt with the hamstring injury. But they find themselves in a position not only to be in the playing tournament, but to have at least a home game. And as Willie Green described it on Sunday to us, look, it's almost like an NCAA tournament type situation. This isn't you know, it's not just a playoff atmosphere. It's a game seven atmosphere. It is an elimination game. You win or you go home. And I think what they are looking for is maybe what we saw with Phoenix in the bubble two years ago, 
where they, they were able to take that experience and it's springboard. Of course they added Chris Paul that helps, but they were able to springboard that into a better season last year. Memphis was in the play in last year. They springboard to two this year and they are hoping you add a big piece in Zion to it, that they can have that sort of springboard into, uh, into next year. Real quick. I just want to talk about the Pelicans draft situation here real quick before we talk more about it. So this really worked out for them pretty amazingly. It, it's there's a little thread they could hit where they slam all of the, you know, they get a, du- a double, triple score. So the trade that they made where they acquired Jonas Valanciunas and uh, moved off Steven Adams and who else did they move off of? In that trade? Okay. Bledsoe. Um, they traded the pick that they, that the, the, the Lakers pick that they had from the Anthony Davis trade this year. But they keep it if the Lakers are if the pick is top ten unprotected. I don't if it wins the lottery, they get it. If it goes to eleven, the Grizzlies get it. Um, The Lakers right now are eighth, right? They go into the postseason eighth. So unless three of the four teams, at incredibly, I'm not smart enough to calculate the odds. Like teams nine, ten, eleven move in in front of the Lakers. The Pelicans are getting the Lakers pick, which means that they will get 99.6% chance right now. There you go. You had it. You had it ready. Okay. So they are going to get a top 10 pick and it could be a top four pick. I, the chances of, of them getting a top four pick are probably in the twenties. I think it is chance. a 20. It is a 34% chance. I believe when you combine their pick and the Lakers pitch, which remember, I think technically they have a 99.8% chance to have a top 10 pick. Because if one of those three picks or, you know, in that, in that situation where That's three right. picks goes, That's right. one of the picks that can do it is their is own their... pick. And okay. so they, they could have two top four picks. They could have a top right. four so, and a top eight, whatever so, they are. So, so if they lose one of these next two games and are in the lottery and their number comes up in the top four, they keep their pick. In fact, right. if you want to talk about supreme examples of wildness, they could have picks one and two. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. They could they could bring Zion back next year and have picks one and two. The Lakers That's pick not like, yeah. is a six percent chance to go to number one. Yeah. When they got when they won the lottery three years ago to get Zion Williamson, they had a six percent chance. Okay. So there you go. Now the other part. By the way, this pick so that Memphis is not going to get it. It's not like Memphis gets another first round pick. They no. now get two second round picks. Yep. So that trade, which got them Valanciunas, who's been a good addition for them, and got off of Bledsoe, which freed up money that helped them go take on C.J. McCollum, that helped them, and they're, they're not even going to have to give a first for it. So bad luck for Memphis, probably. Good luck. Their pick goes to Portland if it falls between 8 and – is it 8 and 14? Four, five the- and 14. Five and 14. fourteen. It is so it if it doesn't protect it for them, right? So let's say they win the next two games and get into the playoffs. They then keep their pick. So in that case, they would still well, the top ten. That pick would then go to Charlotte. In that case, oh, okay. So we, we right. have we have more protections on it from the Devontae okay. Graham trade. So if okay. they, I forgot about Devontae Graham. They okay. win the next two. That pick goes to Charlotte, and then a future first goes to Portland. What they would like is to lose one of the next two. You keep the top 10 Lakers. I don't know if they would like it, but I mean, if they lose it, it it is a scenario they would be okay with. I believe if you keep the Lakers pick in the top 10, your obligation to Memphis becomes two seconds. Your obligation to Charlotte becomes two seconds if they don't get the pick and then Portland takes your pick and then you don't have to worry about any sort of potential future first after this year. (laughs) I think they'd like to get picks one and two, Andrew. I think they would. too. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, maybe two and three. They could get picks three and four. I mean, you want to think about, I mean, I don't mean to inflame the, the Thunder fans who are going to take uh, incoming fire here. The Thunder Thunder ended up w- with a sixth pick last year. Josh Giddy, good player. He just made my all-rookie ballot that I turned in. Uh, all-rookie team ballot. Not rookie of the year, but all-rookie team, just to be clear. Um, the, the, the Thunder had a chance to have a, two of the top four picks last year because they had the Rockets pick if it fell they could have, or two of the top five picks, but they could have sat there. They, they could have ended up with like Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley or, J, you know, Cade Cunningham and, you know, 
you know, Jalen Green or something like that. And they got Josh Giddy, who's a good player, but just think of how difference making that is. So the idea that the that the Pelicans can add a pick is interesting. Okay, so they obviously have rallied in the second half. So let's let's deal with the Zion thing. Yeah. Zion has a number of setbacks. I don't even remember how many. Disappears for two months, comes back and doesn't say anything. You see him at practice, like hanging out. You have no idea what he's doing. Um, he's clearly not practicing. There's Willie Green comes out and says, no update, no update, no update, no update, no update. Because before when they were giving updates, you guys were sitting there and coming back and going, okay, 10 new days update. have passed. Yes, Let's where's have, our new, new update? Up, yeah. So they said, no updates. So then all of a sudden this video shows up on Instagram of Zion with this between the legs power dunk, which was jaw dropping because Zion is a jaw dropping athlete. And by the way, I'm just talking about what I see publicly. I'm not talking about what's going on privately, Andrew. I'll just give you a second there. Zion dunks it. And the next day he's cleared to do individual workouts. He hasn't been cleared. To do. It's amazing okay? timing. All right. Then a couple weeks go past. Is there any Zion update? Nope. 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 Then Zion's stepfather, Lee Anderson, gives his second interview in four years to a radio show and says, I think Zion should can play. I think he can play in the playoffs. I want him to play. I expect him to play. I, I expect him used. to play. And the next day, he's all of a sudden doing five-on-five scrimmaging. Is that an accurate statement I just made? I believe the uh, the five-on-five was officially cleared maybe a couple of days after that. But, yes, there okay. was some difference in what he was doing um, on that trip. And, like, maybe this was on the original schedule, Andrew. I don't know. But let's say the I can, Pelicans – I can say that. I was told prior to that trip, when he, when he traveled for the first time on that trip, it was, hey, on this trip he could go from one-on-one, -on -one, which we had seen him do against Corey Brewer a bunch, to – two on two or three on three Lee comes out with the comments. I think he had already done three on three at that point, but then Lee makes the comments and the next day uh, he was seen doing uh five on five. Work. Okay. So what's, what's the, what's going to happen here, Andrew, do you think? Uh, I think they would, I don't expect to see him this week. Um, I don't think he plays in the play in um, let's say they win these two and they get into Phoenix. At that point, you know, you're now a week away or two weeks from him playing five on five the first time, but he hasn't really got any real practice time in, um, you know, just because of the time of the season. He is, and even that five on five work that he's doing, he's playing with coaches in the end of the roster. He's playing with Garrett Temple and Gary Clark and Jared Harper and uh, Tony Snell, maybe even gets into some of those games, depending on who is playing toward the end of the season. The Pels have this thing where they, they will play full five on five games with coaches and players two to three hours before every game. They call it the safe fit league. It helps the end of the bench guys get ready. The coaches get in there. They, they play. That is who he is playing against right now. So he is playing against player development guys for the most part um, in, in these controlled scrimmages he's not as, playing against Devin. he's not playing against Devin booker chris paul mikhail bridges they're not out there yeah i don't know so i if i mean at the earliest it's that series and that's if you just are an intern like a complete optimist i mean i think they would still have to do a lot more you know get a lot more done before we see uh mr williamson as as nick said as he would be shocked for next week for for mr simmons I would be uh, equally as shocked, if not more, for Mr. Williamson. I mean, Nick, what the issue here, Nick, is even if Zion comes back, let's say they have a great week this week. Let's say they win two games. I mean, Lopez just says they went eight and two. Like, you know, the Spurs, they get him at home. And, you know, the Clippers are an inconsistent team. I don't, we'll talk about the Clippers in Minnesota in a second, but let's say they get in. Are you bringing Zion Williamson back to face the beast that is the Suns? No. No, and, and part of this is we're having this conversation. I've, I've got PTSD still from all the nights I would stand there after Derrick Rose injured his ACL. And he had been cleared, but he didn't feel comfortable going out there playing. And this is, you know, nine, ten years ago. So the mental health part of the conversation was not in the limelight the, the way it is now. But to think that 
that happened then, and Derek said repeatedly he just didn't feel like he, he felt comfortable enough to be out there. And in both of these cases, because just like Andrew said, the Nets have what they call a stay-ready group, which is essentially the end of the bench guys and some player development coaches. That's who Simmons is going to get his work in with over these next couple weeks if they can hang on and, and stay in the playoffs. Right. To think that after a year – you're going to drop him into a setting. And I thought this was really telling today, guys. Nas said <laughs> he has no history with our team. Not only – I mean, at least Zion has played with no. a bulk of these guys. It's his team. The bulk, but not a lot of them. He's never played with Valanciunas. He's never played with C.J. McCollum. He's never played with Herb Jones. Well, that's I mean, better than zero. <laughs> because well, okay. But it's only, it's only a, he's played it's with only a Seth Curry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, that's true. He's played with – he's actually – Lopez in the rotation. Let's say there's a playoff game tomorrow. How many rotate? He hadn't played with Devontae Graham. How many rotation play? Okay. With How- I mean, outside of those state fit games where maybe, maybe they threw somebody in, he hasn't played with JV, Herb, CJ. Uh, he's played with Jackson. He's played with Najee. He's played with Ingram? And Ingram. So three, three of the three of their okay. nine that they're going to run out. Four. How many- he's probably played with Billy. So he's, he's played with four of their Billy- nine rotational guys. Billy Hernandez. Billy Hernandez. He's not going to play much in a playoff game. Well, he is the 10th guy. So, but of, out, of the, of the rotation out, of the, out of the top seven players, how many has Zion played with? One. Brandon, two, Bra- two. Brandon Jackson Ingram. And, yeah, Jackson and. Okay. And, and they're Brandon Ingram and their backup center, Jackson Hayes. How many of the top seven guys has Ben Simmons played with? Two. Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. They both played the same amount. Well, Am I wrong? D- <laughs> Drummond, like, he wasn't really there. That's true. You're right. You know what? You're right. Okay. Anyway, anyway, it's like this is safe. <laughs> anyway, it's like this. This is insane. Um, do you, Andrew? Do you believe that there's any world in which the sun, which in which the Pelicans could? Let's. I'll give them these two games. I mean, let's just say they some. I mean, they can do it. They can do it. First ones at home against the Spurs. The Spurs are a flawed team. Yes. They can go into LA and win. It's not a you know playing LA. You know playing in Minnesota. I think would be a little bit more difficult. Minnesota is a, a Better team. How have they? You know, I don't even know how have they fared against the Clippers this year. They were they were three and one. In fact, they were six and zero oh against the LA teams going into their last game against the Clippers. Um, I'm sorry, I'm only aware of one team in Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> they the other team we don't talk about. They uh, were three and zero oh going into that last game, and that was I think Paul George's second or third game back, and they got destroyed. Okay. But they had played Paul George before. Uh, and, and come out on the other side earlier in the season. So they, they're not, you know, I wouldn't say they'd be scared of that matchup, but let's say they get in and they, you know, they win that game. Um, it, I wouldn't say it's out the realm of possibility for them to throw him in that series, because here's the thing. And, and, and this is just, this is, this is Andrew Lopez talking. This is not reporting anything. Aggregators mount up. If let's just say this is their line of thinking. Three times a week, the right time with Bomani Jones podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of the games. Plus they have a community of friends, including Dominic Foxworth for Foxworth Fridays. That's the right time with Bomani Jones, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen, wherever you get your podcasts and on Wednesdays and Fridays, the podcasts are also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Cutting the price of your wireless bill feels good. Really good. Actually, it feels great. You should try it. So cut your bill by switching to Straight Talk Wireless. Now offering our $45 Silver Unlimited plan. That's unlimited high-speed data and 5 gigabytes of hotspot for just $45 a month. Get nationwide 5G on America's largest, most dependable networks. So why pay a whole lot for your data? when you can get unlimited for a whole lot less. The $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. At 60 gigabytes, we reserve the right to review your account for usage in violation of Straight Talk's terms and conditions. A month equal 30 days. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 
Ah, that sound has to make you smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting, conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash hoop right now. Shopify.com slash hoop. If we're going to go into this Sun Series and we're going to lose anyway, and you don't want to have that mindset. But if you're saying this is only going to be a four or five game series. They are going to lose anyway. Why don't you throw him out there and see what you have for three or four games? I'll tell you why. Because throwing him out there is why they're continuing set back. Well, maybe him doing some things when uh, like posting dunk videos on uh, before he's cleared to do things is why they're having setbacks more than what they are doing. And if you're looking at just controlling him for now, these stay fit games that they play, they're 20 minutes, five quarters, five minute quarters. You go five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. Say you put him out there for 20 minutes a game in the, in the Phoenix series. That he I has remember already Zion, Zion loves short bursts. He loves the burst, game. loves the burst. He, it's the biggest smile I've ever seen on his face is when I asked him, uh, how do you feel about not having to play burst anymore? Um, but uh, whatever you want to do, if you just throw him out there for a couple of games, in a, in a series that you, you know, you, you may have an indication of where it's going to go. It doesn't hurt. I, I don't know. And it's not throwing him out there for 30, 40, 50 games. It's throwing him out there for a week, week and a half. And I think right, the, so, to the so, opposite so, of what so, the Derek Rose thing was, he wants to play. He wants to be out there. Oh, a lot. very clearly. So here's the question. <laughs> so far we've had a social media post and a radio interview. Yeah. If let's say they win two games this week and they say oh, Zion's not going to start this series, what is the what is the next salvo uh, to apply it, to apply pressure? It's uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll wind up with an exclusive. And I, no, it won't be me. Uh, it won't be <laughs> us at all. <laughs> no, I don't know. I really. I'm, I mean, what did they just? They put up a billboard in New Orleans at that point. Um, <laughs> just they there's a there is a giant billboard next to the arena on, on the side of a building. And it's, a, it's, a, it's by Jordan Brandon. It's just a picture of Z. I wonder if that just gets changed to let me play. And it's just yeah. a picture. It's just going to be pictures of him dunking. Free Zion. It's just going to have a hashtag, free yeah. Zion. Um, so I'll tell you one thing. Uh, the, regardless of what happens this week, the Pelicans' outlook is good. Yes. Regardless of where Zion is with the organization, I would, I would absolutely one hundred percent not even entertain trading him, even if he's flustered and even if there is an issue over the summer uh, with however they want to do that contract situation. I would absolutely hold on to him. He is a generational talent and. Obviously, you're worried about his injuries and all that stuff. This team is potentially close. And getting the top 10 pick, whoever that is, whether they even keep it or turn it in, I mean, like they're going to add a piece to this roster who can help yeah. them. And they're going to bring in Zion. And I'm not saying they're going to, like, you know, be hosting a playoff series next year, but, you know, their upward mobility is unquestioned. I mean, you um, look at a starting lineup next year of potentially CJ at the one. Herb at the two, Brandon at the three, Zion at the four, JV at the five. I mean, it's essentially what you've been running with Jackson Hayes playing the four since since the All Star break, basically. 
I mean, I would, I almost had, I considered putting Herb Jones. Herb Jones made my all rookie team and I considered him on the all defensive team. This guy is, <laughs> he is a incredible. next level defensive player. Um, and his improvement shooting wise, this is another thing. The Pelicans, no matter what you want to say about them, because they've got pockmarks. They have not handled their business well. They've cycled through coaches. They've the trade that Griff made with the Lakers for Zion was uh, for AD. I thought was an excellent trade. The trade that they made subsequently to move out of the number four pick, very questionable. You can you can take shots to them. <coughs> their development of players has been good. Brandon Ingram got a lot better. Herb Jones this year has gotten a lot better. Um, I like the idea of giving them the eighth pick, and I like the idea of Zion. So I'm bullish on where they can go. Um, I just don't know if I'm bullish on Zion playing in the next two weeks. I think uh, you, you mentioned the other guys. I mean, Cambridge Williams, who turned into something who was – I mean, OKC was asking a first for him at the break. He turned into something he developed there. Najee, Jose Alvarado have been good. Lonzo Ball's shot changed once he was in New Orleans. I mean, that completely changed things around for him. So, Jose it, Alvarado, one of the one of the best stories of the NBA this year. Sneaky, sneaky, the sneakiest yeah. man in the NBA. Got to be sneaky when you when you aren't as talented as everybody else, um, or at least have the same size. I don't want to imply he's not as talented. Um, before we go, Nick, we haven't talked about the Clippers and Minnesota. Minnesota is so excited right now. They're so excited. They had like a little press conference uh, talking about their extension for Chris Finch, which if I told you when Chris Finch got hired in the middle of last season, he would be getting an extension right now. A lot of people would have thought you were crazy. Um, They're kind of floating on air. Somebody asked Carl Towns who his MVP pick was this week. And he said, me, Um, they, you know, they, I don't blame them. They've, they've been, I mean, this isn't technically the playoffs yet, but they've been in the postseason like once since KG got traded. Uh, they're floating on air. Uh, they've played really well in the second half of the season. If they, you know, the concept of them getting a shot at Memphis in the two, I would pick Memphis heavy, but like th- that's a big rivalry for them. Uh, that, would, that would be a fun series. I just hope, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm covering the Suns in the first round. I would rather, I mean, I'll just be, I'll just show my cards. I would rather cover a Suns Clippers series <laughs> and I would rather be on the off nights watching Memphis, Minnesota. So, um, uh, is Minnesota, uh, Nick going to pay this off or is this all going to be another Timberwolves, uh, story of sadness because that's what it's been for two decades. Well, the, the Timberwolves story of sadness is, oh, man, we have all this hype and hope and our guys are coming together and then they go to the playoffs like the time a couple years ago with Tibbs and they get demolished. And you're like, eh, I don't know. I want to lean towards the Timberwolves. I think it's a, a nice story and it's worth remembering the Towns actually has experience in a play-in game. A couple years ago, that, that was the play-in game. It was game 82. They played the Nuggets. Towns and Jimmy down the stretch. They found a way. Went to overtime. It went to overtime. Yeah. That was that was an awesome game. I covered that game. And, and Tibbs actually is smiling at the podium. <laughs> All was right in the Timberwolves world. And then they went into the postseason, got absolutely demolished, I believe, by Harden and the Rockets. I think they can win a game. I think they can just run up and down and win a game. I do not think they can have any success in the postseason, but Ty Lue and and that Clippers team is certainly mentally tough enough yeah. to handle you, which being on the road said, in that environment. I don't know if you'd have said the Clippers were mentally tough two years ago, but they have demonstrated that they can. And look, I mean, I don't think Minnesota is a tough place to play in, to be honest with you. Um, but they get loud in weird moments. Like that game, game 82, and this is a few years ago, but that place was rocking. So right. for as bad as the rest, I've of never Bulls seen it. I've is, never seen it rocking. So that's I new think it can happen. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be a social media post tomorrow by the Timberwolves uh, 
P, uh, social media squad. I've never heard – Brian Windhorst says I've never heard of Rock. There it goes. It's going to be – I mean, I remember going <laughs> – first off, I've been to a lot of games there over the years, and I never remember it being a, a, a difficult environment. I remember when Jimmy Butler asked to be traded, Tibbs was getting booed louder than Jimmy Butler was. I'll never forget that. Um, but I do agree this is the best um, – this is probably the best Timberwolves team in 18 years or so. And um, I absolutely agree. They are getting in. They will win one of these two games. And I, I would, I would, I would, I would expect them. I'm not saying I'm going to pick them. I would expect them to handle the Clippers. Uh, Lopez, I, I got to figure, um, even if it's you going to Minnesota on Friday, I got to figure you still like Minnesota's chances. I, I do. I think in that, in that scenario, I think, um, I expect the Pels to win one um, and then put up a fight in either L.A. or Minnesota. But, I mean, for for the Wolves, I mean, shout out to Chris Finch and the job that he has done and from being thrown in there the mid-year last year and then to come out where, where he is right now. I think it's uh, it's been a testament to who he is as a coach as well for them to to be in this position. Yeah, and they've, you know what, they've actually, they've drafted really well too. I mean, you have the number one pick, it helps, but they've drafted well as well. All right. Thanks for listening to the Collective Podcast. Thank you to Lopez. Thank you to Friedel. Thank you to our producer, Jackson. And we will talk to you later this week. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.